0: Hey crew, it's your Captain Caliban here to remind you, if you haven't yet, you should sign up to follow our social media accounts on Facebook and Twitter. You can go to Facebook or Twitter at EISTpod and like or subscribe to us there to get updates about the show. I also want to remind you that we are currently doing our giveaway promotion for a Star Trek Trivial Pursuit 50th Anniversary set of cards complete with Galileo Shuttlecraft card holder. Ooh. And you are eligible for that if you go to iTunes, search for enterprising individuals, leave us a review and a rating. And, you know, be honest, I wouldn't mind if it was high, but it's up to you. Once you do that, you will be entered into a chance to win the Card Set. This promotion runs to the end of the month, so you're running out of time. Get it done right now, and we'll be picking a winner and announcing it on our next show, specifically on our May 3rd show. So get to it. Subscribe to the show on iTunes so you get it as soon as it's ready. Rate and review us and get a chance to win a great prize, and let's get underway.
1: It's worked so far, but we're not out yet. I want to know what you're thinking.
0: There are some things you can't hide. I want to know What you're feeling, tell me what's on your mind Hailing Figures is open, and welcome to Enterprising Individuals, the Star Trek podcast where we boldly go into excruciating detail about the series, characters, and stories of the Star Trek universe. I'm your host, Caliban, and I want to remind our listeners that even though drugs can make you feel good, don't try Felicium, not even once. I'm joined in this episode by Gary Dietz. Gary is a project manager by day and by night, an actor and director in the Twin Cities community. He's also a writer and columnist for Twin Cities Geek, a web magazine covering geek culture in the Twin Cities and the larger area of Minnesota. Gary, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Well, glad to be here.
0: Permission to come aboard granted. <laughs> Today we'll be talking about Symbiosis, the 22nd episode of the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation. And it's an episode that features in no particular order of importance. An exploration of the Prime Directive... A serious look at the dangers of addiction. Two actors who appeared in Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, and a premature farewell to a series regular. But first, let's talk about your history and uh, your backstory with Trek. How did you become a fan?
1: Uh eighty in the eighties, watching Saturday morning cartoons, <laughs> and Star Trek: The Original Series had hit syndication. Right, right. And I just fell in love with that troika, even though I didn't know what the word was when I was, you know, ten. Right. But of uh, Kirk spock and mccoy yeah and just loved it and then got into this little magazine called star log in the late 80s and all of a sudden they're actually mid 80s they're starting to talk about this new star trek and i was like what and what struck me is there was one little cartoon in that in one of the magazines where they said oh and the new star trek's going to have kids on the enterprise oh, okay. and it showed this little kid hitting the button for photon torpedoes <laughs> <laughs> and i was like the- and there's going to be klingons and <laughs> on the bridge and i was like I- i'm i'm sold i okay, sure, and sure. Uh, <laughs> from then on watched uh, next gen when it. A- every broadcast yeah when it was when it hit and
0: they really played the hell out of those um those old episodes in syndication too i think i'm sure as a run up to the, the original new show, series but.
1: they they did but they were always on yeah yeah and that's the thing it didn't do as well initial broadcast but right then they realized oh we have all these episodes that are just sitting here and yeah people were liking it and in fact if they had had the money at the time they were like they might have kept going with the original series oh sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, now... Hindsight, they were like, why, why did we cancel this? There's... Right,
0: yeah. Well, I think also because the Nielsens weren't really like a thing back then. And I think they sort mm. of kind of got up and running like just after it sort of went off and they did the data yeah. and they realized, oh, crap, like everybody was watching <laughs> this. But by then, you know, they burned the sets or whatever. Yeah. I know that um, now you, at any time you can probably turn on MeTV or whatever and see Star Trek. But it was really exciting for me at the time to see when the old UHF stations, <laughs> uh, if we have to explain to our listeners what that even is. Uh, you dating yourself there. Right, exactly. <laughs> would play those episodes at a certain time and they'd have the little um, like bumpers in and out with like, they play Rocket Man or something like that <laughs> and little fun things. But I remember being very excited about that and also um, before, oh boy, I am dating myself now, before Star Trek II uh, came out, they, had a, um, they played um, Spacey a couple times. And yeah. they had interviews with all the uh, actors involved. Uh, and they had to explain, like, if anyone. So, is a guy named Khan. Here's the whole setup, uh, in case you don't
1: remember. Which is so great about that movie is you don't need that backstory. Oh no, no, no. They they capture. Botany Bay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just they just give it all to you.
0: Uh, well, we are talking about symbiosis today. It is the 22nd episode of the first season of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Uh, it first aired on the 18th of April in 1988. It was written by Robert Lewin, who was an executive producer and writer on the show and uh, he also wrote three other episodes in the first season data lore 11001001 and the arsenal of freedom which was the episode right before this uh, it was the teleplay was by Lewin Richard Manning and Heinz Beamler, and it was directed by Win Phelps and an interesting note is this is one of only five total next generation episodes that has no uh, star date at the beginning and it's the only one in the first season
1: i did not realize that
0: which i think is probably like we're in the you know back half of the first season um as we're going to talk about mm-hmm. in a little bit, this was shot sort of out of sequence because an actor leaves the show that uh, uh, functionally, but then is, of course, on the next show before she actually leaves her character. Mm-hmm. And so it was probably, we'll just slot this one in wherever we can. <laughs> and for continuity's sake, uh, they were trying Let's to take the, star the rates yeah. more seriously and not just sort of totally make them up, I think, as they did in the first series. Um, your mission uh, is to describe, in 50 words or less, the plot of Symbiosis.
1: Okay. So elevator pitch, basically. Yeah, right. Or... Um... Yeah, so uh, you have two cultures on opposite planets who developed a symbiotic relationship due to one culture having getting a plague, contracting a plague, and then the other culture having the medicine that could help the plague victims. Uh, Many years pass, and then all of a sudden, they have been... The one planet has been developing all the goods for the other planet that was developing the medicine for the plague victims. So mm-hmm. they really do form a, hey, you have the worker bees, and then you have the high class. Mm-hmm. And that really shows in the costumes and everything else. But we can talk about that later. Sure. But that's that's the plot. Uh, Enterprise comes across the ship of the Onarans. Onarins. And the Ornarans. Right. <laughs> Even though it sounds like Onarans right. in the episode. The Onarans have a couple ships that they use to transport their goods. To the Brekkians, right, uh, and these ships are slowly falling apart. And the Enterprise comes across one of the ships as it's getting ready to explode. They beam both, they beam two uh, Onarans and two Brekkians onto the Enterprise. The rest of the crew is killed as the ship explodes because, shocker, they wanted to save the drug that saves the Onarans, right. And Picard and crew come across the prime directive on how much should we help them because they, as the episode progresses, you find out that the Onarans don't really need the medicine anymore. They've become drug addicts to this medicine. Right, right. Uh, that's, Hilarious hijinks ensue. Yeah, right.
0: And then hijinks <laughs> ensue, of course. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty concise, uh, detailed explanation. Um, I always thought, okay, well, first of all, I wanted to say that this episode is kind of sparse on details. I think if you... Dug out some of those old Star Logs. You could probably find information. But as far as like what I could find in my research, there's not a ton. Uh, it's interesting to note that some behind the scenes footage from this show uh, actually appeared on Reading Rainbow. uh Levar Burton, Burton, uh, and that's that actually
1: on the Blu-rays. Is it that really? Episode of Reading Rainbow is on the Blu-ray okay. um, release.
0: Boy, this whole thing is about how old we are. But I think I actually <laughs> remember seeing that yeah. episode of Reading Rainbow. Uh, which I probably, wa- I think I was probably too old to watch Reading Rainbow, but there was I that synergy. I still
1: watched it, though, just because knowing it was the LeVar guy- Burton. Yeah, right. It was Jordy. That's right. why I, yeah, because I was 14.
0: Oh yeah, yeah uh, I, I was
1: a little older for. I was a little too old for reading Rainbow, really. Right. But you didn't hear about Stregonona yeah. books or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the same reason I watched Lights Camera Action on Nickelodeon because sure. Leonard Nimoy hosted that. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, it
0: didn't reach down into Roots for me though. I don't think I ever got that far. <laughs>
1: you never saw Roots.
0: I think I probably did. I think they probably showed it. There was like Star Wars. Possibly Roots. There's a couple things that they could just show, maybe Johnny Tremaine or something like that, that they could show you in school when mm. there was a snow day or something going on, uh, MEA weekend or whatever. And so I think I saw it that way, but I don't think I've ever sat down and actually gone through and watched all at Roots. So that's for my next podcast, The Roots, <laughs> Roots Minute, which is going to get a lot of people who are disappointed thinking it's the band, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, or North and South. Oh, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, the Thornbirds Minute. Thornbirds. <laughs> I know that you're currently doing a TNG rewatch. Uh, do the first season episodes seem a lot different than
1: what you remember? Uh, no, because believe it or not, that's the season I come back to the most. Mm-hmm. Just because I usually start my rewatch at season one, episode one. Sure. And I get halfway through and then other things take precedence. And mm-hmm. But this time, you know, I just picked up the Blu-rays and gosh, they are gorgeous. Uh, yeah, the yeah, the Okudas really came in and helped with the mm-hmm. details of the special effects to really heighten those and make those high definition quality. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, especially when you watch them like in I get them on high def streaming, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it just looks great. It's a whole different uh, new show. Mm-hmm. Um I've always thought that they were more stiff, sort of, in their behavior. Well,
1: they're trying to find their comfort. Mm -hmm. They're trying to figure out all these characters. And truthfully, that's probably one of the reasons why Denise Crosby as Tasha Yar had such a problem. Because her character, I think, is the least written out of all of that bridge crew.
0: Yeah. I think they gave her... It's that thing where you get a real, like, juicy backstory. Um, because they gave her a lot of elements, I think that could have gone somewhere. But just you know, like you said, she always gets kind of sidelined and never gets to really play them. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about that in a little bit later. <laughs> um, also, the, in, especially in this episode, there's this focus on the sort of quote-unquote interesting uh, military procedures and the technical procedures of, of the of the of the working of the Enterprise. Um, and I think it, that's kind of what makes it drag. Like, Picard is always like announcing he's getting on the tenoy or whatever and like saying, well, now we're going to do this, everybody. So check this out. And they go to the, I think, the first act break and they still haven't saved the guys on the freighter. Like, right. in, in any other show, we would have gotten through that. Uh, we got to get right into and the And dealt conflict. more with
1: the prime directive aspect of yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that just sort of dropped is the elect. The electricity. Oh yeah, powers. that's right. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're electric pe- eel people. Yeah, yeah. They they use it twice in the whole episode. Yeah. It doesn't impact the story at all. Not really, except puts Riker in peril for thirty hot seconds. Yeah, and it's
0: funny because uh, in the episode before us, same freedom. Yeah, and then I think right after this Skin of Evil, he gets sucked up to the oil
1: slick. So right. it's
0: a bad trio <laughs> of episodes for for Riker.
1: Hey Riker, we need you to be the damsel in distress. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But which the show is not afraid to do. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. I just I always thought that was weird, but I thought it was cool because it was just sort of a you know they're aliens. They got the chewing gum in yeah. their face, and then they also can do this. And but it, as
1: a fourteen year old, I thought the electricity powers are really cool oh, yeah, i was cool. like why can't they talk more about that going back to the episode i'm much more taken with the prime directive aspect of the mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. and how picard says he's not gonna break the prime directive but he does by in inaction yeah. can still be action
0: <laughs> oh yeah definitely yeah i mean once you're sort of in the situation you affect it um mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the episode's guest stars, um, Merritt Buttrick and Judson Scott in particular. The two big
1: ones. Yeah. Who were both in Wrath of Khan. That's right.
0: They played uh, David uh, Marcus. I guess now I was going to say David Kirk, but of course not. It's David Marcus. And then Joaquin Khan's uh, second in command. Um,
1: Which in the original release, he didn't get a name. I know. Yeah. He didn't get credit. Yeah, and the because <laughs> he was still negotiating his contract. Yeah, that's yeah,
0: here. yeah. I so the the legend goes that his agent was trying to get him like a bump, mm-hmm. like either in pay or just farther up on the on the cash sheet. And yeah, I guess it just didn't work out, and they went ahead with the film, and then he's not even credited, which is like, it's too bad. He but was... I think he does a great job. I yeah, think actually no, both great. of
1: them do a great job in their respective roles in Rathacon.
0: Yeah, um they're both great in Rathacon. They're both good in this too. Um, mm-hmm. As the, like you said before, the Onarans and, and the Brekkians, or as the costume department must have called them, the, the ABBA stand-ins and the space farmers. <laughs> they have a very... The dirty, dirty space s- farmers. Yes, right. <laughs> and the one guy has, like, space overalls, but it's not even a garment. It's just kind of sewn into his shirt, uh, just to suggest, uh, like, a, a rustic sort of look to him. I just thought that was uh, like kind of interesting. they're the workers. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. They're, they're the workers. We get that. Um and they have a relationship, these two races, that is described as symbiosis. Um, the title of the episode would seem to suggest that it is, but it's more akin to, to parasitism, mm. I would think, because it's very harmful to, or at least not as beneficial to Well, I think it one. started
1: out symbiotically, mm-hmm. and then it morphed. Yeah. Because the plague, I think, if I recall correctly, happened 200-some years before. Yeah, that's what they said, yeah. Yeah.
0: And there's a suggestion to... It also, once, like, <laughs> I like this episode. Um, I wouldn't say that it drags, but it's definitely deliberately paced. And whether or not you've seen it before, or whether or not you even sort of twig to what's happening in terms of the transaction between the Narns and the Breckians, uh, they take their time getting there. But then once they get to the reveal, suddenly everybody seems to know everything. Cards like, there we go, the other shoe is dropped. And then Crusher has this realization oh, wait, you guys, the Breckians, had the plague too, but they realized. What the Felicium, uh, the medicine that we're talking about here, the drug, mm-hmm. the properties of it. And so they cured themselves without getting hooked on it and then decided uh, to, to
1: use We like this... this whole not working thing. Yeah, it seems all yeah. right.
0: Which is kind of a leap of logic, but I guess we're supposed to take it as like that's what actually happened in this case. Um yeah, I, I just wanted to mention um, you know, Merrick Buttrick. Uh, or first of all, um, Judson Scott has played um, a couple different roles. I mean, he was uh, Joaquim. He was also in a Voyager episode, I think, as well yep. as a uh, heavily makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, this is Merrick Buttrick's uh, last appearance in, in Star Trek. He died not soon after this from uh, AIDS-related. And uh, as far as I understand, uh, he, one of the reasons he got the role was his connection to the uh, production and to Paramount and Star Trek, but also because he was unable to get like insurance, insurance at the time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and so it was kind of a way to sort of help him like get some money and, and get some uh, support there, which is which is nice. But it's a tragic story about him. I'm trying to think of anything that he's. I know that he was in a couple TV things.
1: Yeah, um, and but nothing but really. Really, major. I think people would know him from Star Trek II yeah. and Star Trek, III, Star Trek three as well. Yeah, uh, and. Than this episode, if they want to remember this episode, I think he does a great job in this episode. Yeah. The other, the opposite, the uh, secondary characters for the two sides don't really have much to do. There's a, there's, I mean, just you're an actor.
0: Um, just yeah. there's less kind of going on, sort of, with them.
1: Um, even though the they're fe- back, they're background filler. Yeah, they're, they're to set, they're to help set, continue setting the mood. The female Breckian certainly. Um,
0: has a lot of lines uh, probably an equal share uh to to the other guy whose name oh, I just Oh, but forgot. she's
1: trying to she's so trying to just uh, but she's... play the sex sex appeal card and Yeah, right. It... And
0: I also like the sort of uh <laughs> customer service representative kind of vibe that they have where it's like, "Well, I'm sorry that I can't is there anything else I can help you with today?" I'm sorry uh, you're Richard die.
1: Lineback plays the other uh Onaran and it's Kimberly Far.
0: Kimberly Far, there you go. Yeah. yeah. and her sort of um <laughs> her... Her her kind of officiousness uh, that just kind of makes you want to smack her is uh, I think what she really brings to the role. Because they have this – you see the evolution. Uh, even if you don't understand kind of what the, their drug dealer relationship to the Onarans, you see them kind of changing their strategy as they go. Because at first it's like, well, I'm sorry. We're going to need a bunch of goods from you. And then it's like,
1: okay, oh, give yeah. these two guys their
0: thing <laughs> so they don't like start to freak out. And then later on, they're like, uh, "You know what? This one's on us." <laughs> yeah, you don't want to lose stars our customers, off, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, right.
1: But I think uh, one thing that Merritt Buttrick, especially in all the Star Treks, he he's he's a little too good at playing the victim. Oh, definitely, yeah.
0: <laughs> he, that that hurt sort of puppy dog. That hurt, that.
1: yeah. And Judson Scott, same thing. Good at playing the little little more snide.
0: Yeah. I, and you could see him <laughs> contemplating, like, yeah. we might actually lose this here. We should probably change our tack. Well, let's talk about that kind of weird relationship that's that's going on. I think the theme that's being beat into us uh, in this episode is that drugs are bad, which was a very think, special
1: episode of it The is Next a very, Generation. It is from a very special Which, and if you're decade, an 80s kid, you got that in every show. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, looking back on it, a lot of people complain about the drugs are bad message. Right. But as an 80s kid... You're inundated with that. You were just like, "Yep, oh, got it." (laughs) You know, Cosby had it. Oh, Wesley, (laughs) you don't know that drugs
0: are bad. Come (laughs) on, I
1: think even Facts of Life had it back in the day. I think every every one of those shows had a drugs are bad special episode. Yeah, it's funny how uh,
0: well it's it's interesting how the Onarans' behavior, especially when they get their dose of the medicine, is so. It's just heavily coded as drug use (laughs) and they're just like come on man i need it i need it oh i get it oh it feels so good and then they do that like long 15 second push in on crusher where she's like these guys are junkies (laughs) (laughs) and she gets really mad uh the rest of like the second half of the episode is her just completely indignant that these uh, people are are suffering and being taken advantage Mm -hmm.
1: of like this but i think it's a great way to set up picard's mental gymnastics on how he goes about solving problems because they still haven't quite worked that out in season one yeah and because he'll he'll be doing the same thing being indignant in later uh, seasons but you you see crusher saying no this is bad we got it we got to interfere and picard's like i want to but Mm. how do we get around the prime directive which is so funny because there's some episodes (laughs) that pay a lot of attention to prime directive and then others like Well, five episodes ago, you were paying attention. Now it didn't matter then.
0: Yeah, Um, this episode was written after the executive producer Maurice Hurley um, had been working on Miami Vice, uh, and he was um, he was uh, credited for adding the sort of narcotic uh, element to the episode. And also, um, I saw an interview or a quote by him where he basically. Forced them to do the whole like scene with Wesley, you know the um, the after school special, uh, and, it, and it is
1: talk. it is, it is very after school special. But at the same time, I think it gives an interesting take on Tasha Yar's character. Oh, certainly. On you know, I think that's the first mention of the rape gangs.
0: Oh yeah, there's uh, <laughs> there, there's kind of that's kind of one of my crackpot theories. That's not necessarily crackpot uh, for the episode that uh, Tasha was doing drugs. On uh, on her home planet, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, without having without saying it in the middle of a '80s "just say no" speech. I mean, that's what yeah. that's what they're well, implying.
1: And, and she implies it when saying some people had to do drugs just to get out of the hell that their lives were. Yeah, right. And the yeah, the subtext is totally there that I was one of those people. Right. But I was able to climb my way out and join Starfleet, and that's what saved me.
0: Yeah. I think it shows in her behavior, too, about... I feel like she knows how to handle the Onarans, uh, these guys who are drugged out. Because mm. like, she's like, she's going to beam them off without asking. Uh, don't let them borrow anything from you. You're never going to get it back. Don't follow them to a second location. <laughs> like, She seems to know uh, this world a little better uh, than everybody else. I'm trying to think about the episodes on the show, uh, other episodes that dealt with addiction or, or uh, overindulgence. And they're hard to pin down. Because it seems like the 24th century people... They're Epicurean. You know, they have their yeah. passions, but they seem to have them under control. Can you yeah, think of any episodes I think, uh, that two with that? I
1: just finished the season two episode with the Irish colony, uh, the long... Uh, up the long ladder. Up the long ladder. Yeah. And... That's implied that the guys drink a little too much and <laughs> but, don't get any work yes. done. <laughs> but,
0: I, but I think that that's more of like a, an Irish stereotype more than oh, anything. Because so the guy's like, oh, give me some of that.
1: <laughs> Just a wee nip. Yeah. Right. But what's funny is that is sort of implied that Picard solves the problem by having those two civilizations become symbiotic with each other sure. because one has the uh, clones that are degrading. Right. And the other has all these bountiful Irish lasses that. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, just off the top of my head, like I think hollow pursuits, uh, the Barkley episode where he mm. is retreating into the holodeck and as kind of addicted, I guess, to the holodeck. Yeah. Um, I always thought there was, and maybe I'm blanking on, on different series, but I always thought there was a really good episode that they never did about somebody who was just, who can't exist or has to keep going back to the I feel
1: like there was a Paris ep- episode oh, in Voyager. Sure, yeah. But it's been a number of years since I yeah. went through the Voyager series. Um, and then certainly... Um, the, Paris just seems like the guy who'd get addicted something. He would be the guy, something.
0: yeah. <laughs> if, if that doesn't exist, I, I totally believed you. Um, and then, of course, uh, the, the game, the, the Ashley Judd episode, uh, where they oh, all yeah. get the little game that they're playing. Um, do you think that a society like the Federation in the 24th century... Um, with their high-mindedness and their Hall and all these solutions to these kind of addiction problems that we have, would they have these problems with addiction? Would they, would they have to deal with this sort of thing?
1: Uh, I think they do, but at the same time, they rely a lot more on counselors. Certainly, yeah. You know, having a counselor on the bridge of the Enterprise, even though, truthfully, for the first couple seasons... All she does is, I sense something, Captain. Yeah, and in this You one, know, and in, in that's in another one, thing. I'm glad Marina Sirtis stuck it out, because yeah. if she had just based it on what they were doing with her character in the first couple right. of seasons, that's got to get boring. And she was
0: originally, she read for ta- uh, Yarr.
1: Vice versa, yeah. Yeah
0: and, yeah, and the other way around. So I don't know if uh, maybe Denise Crosby was looking, like, I wish I could say how the crew is feeling right now. like. <laughs> That's way better than what I'm doing.
1: Well, and Denise Crosby, you know, I think I could you can see her frustration, too, because she's supposed to be the security officer. Yeah. But they're relying on Worf, who's standing right next to her the entire time, right. as this big presence. Right. Uh, so then they there's a couple episodes where they play with the, I just want to be beautiful. Right, yeah. And there's got to be more to her character in that. And then this is the episode, unfortunately, where we get a little more of her backstory, and you're like oh, I wish they had been able to develop that more. Yeah. And then they do when she comes back.
0: Yeah. And also when she is already gone, like they have mm. the episode with her sister and all that, where they yeah. kind of delve into what her, um, her, the, her background, yeah. her world was like. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just surprised that as such a socially conscious show that they didn't, and this might be a side effect of the whole eighties, um, just say no culture that they didn't explore it a little more. Um, sure, the Federation's got everything going, they're doing fine, which is why you get to bring these other societies in, then you can look at their problems, which are our, our problems, problems. Yeah. yeah. But they never really attacked it. Um, I mean, this is pretty much the only episode I can think of where they tried to attack it like this.
1: But what struck me is, you know, for go, switching gears to the Prime Directive. Let's do it. And they, uh, the Prime Directive is, hey, we're not going to get involved, especially with pre-warp yeah. civilizations. The Onarans... Have warp capabilities in their ship. Mm-hmm. Picard could have easily gotten around the prime directive by saying, "Hey, why don't we invite the Onarans into the Federation? Sure, and yeah. leave the Breckians out cold because they don't have right <laughs> spaceships, even though they are aware of other planets and things. Right? So they could they could have theoretically offered Federation membership and then dealt with that problem." Yeah. As these two civilizations are waiting to gain entry, because you gotta think that process takes a while.
0: Yeah, the only thing that I can think of is that they, they sort of stress that the fact that the, the cure only lasts for like seventy two hours. Yeah. Um so if at some point they ran out and they're waiting for they're waiting for admittance to end, plus Let's say that you want to start a carpool, you know, or you want to invite a friend to a wedding or something like that. And you bring him in and he's sweating and he's hollow eyes. And and do you really want drug addicts as Federation members? acceptance (laughs) board is going to be like, I don't know about this one. Um, Yeah, the General Order 1 or the Prime Directive, no starship may interfere with the normal development of any alien life or society. And as you said, I mean, I think that can be and has been... um, not subverted, but bent in a lot of different ways. There was a poll on Star Trek .dot com asking which captain most respected the Prime Directive. Can you guess who won? Cisco. Uh, it was not Cisco. <laughs> uh, he was third of five. Uh, it was Picard, uh, uh, overwhelmingly at about sixty five percent. I think
1: that's per- that's perception, though. It could it's be. It's got to be because Janeway out and out had to break it. Yeah. So I was But a lot of respondents
0: her. were really enthusiastic about her keeping the spirit if not the letter she
1: tried she tried i think she tried uh kirk right out the window Eh, mostly (laughs) i feel like that's why that's why i said cisco i'm like i think cisco is actually the safe choice because really what ds9 focused on especially in the later seasons was the war with the dominion yeah and that was that was what they were focused on they weren't focused on exploring and new worlds and new cultures
0: yeah yeah, so we had less opportunities. Yeah. But insofar as, and once again, it's fungible. I mean, Bejor has, like, warp ships, I assume. They have, or at least they are sort of present in the galactic community. Mm. So I'm not sure how you're interfering with them. But becoming, like, a religious figure uh, in, in somebody else's culture seems like that would be a big thing. But the Bejorans, I
1: think, were members of the Federation.
0: Um, I don't. Is that true? Because if they were, then the Federation would have to come right in and.
1: Because I think so, because. Well, I would assume I would have assumed with Major Kira having a strong role on I, DS9,
0: but I thought it was a, a sort of a thing like um like US bases in Japan, like um an occupying force leaves or a war ends and then we have like installations there and so we are mediators and we help out. We're helping out with
1: the consent and will of the Bajorans. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the Prime Directive would be as integral That's there true, because yeah. the Bajorans are saying, "Hey, we are asking for help. Yeah. We are aware of you.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: We're aware of technology.
0: Yeah. Um, I. So
1: whether they're members of the Federation or not, I think, Yeah, I don't think the prime directive would come into play.
0: And I think Archer gets a pass because there wasn't a prime directive. Yeah. <laughs> Although there's one episode where he goes, we need some kind of directive to help us out with this sort of thing. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> uh, it's quite an undertaking that Starfleet has set out for itself to explore everything and yet affect nothing. Um, which is almost laughably implausible, um, especially from the perspective of like Heisenberg. But do you think that the prime directive is essential or it's even plausible for a star starfaring race or people like this?
1: I think it's a good guideline. And I think that's why, I, and I love the fact that people were talking about Janeway so much. Sure, yeah. Uh, because, yeah, she did break it quite regularly, but she was trying to keep the essence of it. Yeah. And I think it is a good guideline. Yeah,
0: I feel like they're. It at least shows that Starfleet is trying to be responsible with its great technology, um, even when it seems like they only brought it up in the original series when Kirk was about to break it really <laughs> bad. Uh, but they're trying to stop themselves from from playing God uh, as much as they can. But and as we see in this episode, they are a compassionate organization, and you run into these situations where breaking it would mean. You know, you'd be helping somebody, but you'd be violating your principles, which if they apply once, they have to apply all the time, uh, theoretically.
1: But uh, there's another episode I just finished in season two where uh, Jordy gets kidnapped by the uh, not smart guys. Oh, the pack Paclid, yeah, yeah, you know. Right. They're not members of the Federation. No, no. <laughs> but the Enterprise goes out of its way to help. Sure. Or... The- theoretically, try to help these guys. Yeah, wouldn't that also be breaking the Prime Directive?
0: I guess. Uh, I think that.
1: Or is it also because they're aware of Starfleet and uh, aware of? Yeah,
0: they're spacefaring. spacefaring. they that, that that cry for help, I think, is is an important aspect. Um, answering a dis- distress call, or in the episode uh, "Pen Pals," where Pen Pals uh, where Data
1: uh, helps breaks? mickey Cox yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: saves her planet. Yeah, but it's even then, it's so lawyeristic. Because Captain Picard is literally ready to turn the radio off and just doom an entire planet, and the girl says, "Please help me!" And then he's like, "Oh, well, she's asking for help now." <laughs> well, clearly it was implicit before, wasn't it? I mean, if she had known that godlike aliens data for could help, help, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But because they didn't have warp or spacefaring, I guess <laughs> right. that's the that's the key. You have to be spacefaring. Yeah. Which I don't think is actually in the Prime Directive, but that's what's implied, I think, in a oh, lot of episodes. Oh, definitely, yeah.
0: And I think in one episode they say there's like, by the time of DS9 or Voyager, there's like 47 different subsets of like when you can and can't react. Yeah. And it reminds me of Robocop 2 where he gets like 200 directives <laughs> and he's so screwed up in the head that he can't even act. I, Taking this to its farthest extent, I think it's almost kind of like a reverse um, kill baby Hitler question because if you could go back in time, or kill baby Hitler, but is killing a child uh, the right price to pay to save everybody from dying in World War II? This is kind of looking forward, like, what if we save Nikki Cox's planet, but then they go on to start a war, or they're just, like, horrible mm. space racists or something like that, and it's like, how space much... Space racists. Space racists, yeah. They you should know.
1: totally have that somewhere. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's. I think it's going to be in Discovery uh, coming up. But uh, how much... How much effect can we really have? Like, it's... I don't know. It's just funny. They, they want to be so humble in, in the application of their abilities, but then even humans are kind of hip, hypocritical because they got help from the Vulcans. Um, in, the, uh, in the aftermath of a giant yeah. world war, uh, the Vulcans never would have been... Or the humans never would have been allowed in the Federation, uh, the point that they were at when the, when the Vulcans met them. Right. So... Like, who's to say where it applies?
1: Oh, we'll, we'll only help you if you're cute, basically. a your right. cute little kid you. Can you do that thing you. with your hand? <laughs> you're
0: in. Uh, do you approve of Picard's solution in the episode?
1: I do. I think it was thinking outside the box, and when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's a great, great way to solve that problem. Yeah. Uh, I do think it, now I think it's a little bit of a cop-out. Yeah. Like, oh, we're not going to help you at all. <laughs> But
0: like, <laughs> oh, I think it will be okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> now I'm thinking, why couldn't they have offered them membership? or Certainly. It, or you know,
0: they, they could have done anything. They could have, um, well, they could have sim- uh, synthesized the Felicium.
1: Without the... Without the wrecking's knowing. Without the side effects.
0: Or they could have said, I mean, if the fl- if freighter had blown up 10 minutes before they got there, and they're like, what's going on here? And then they found out what the situation mm. was. They could have, like, offered a, a palliative to the onarans like this is a planet suffering under something mm. um oh you've got some kind of trade thing i oh, wouldn't want to hear that they'd just be it'd just be another episode or, or
1: they could have just said no it's a drug you don't need it <laughs> yeah they right. could have they yeah. could have um
0: <laughs> but we do get that sort of picard um tough dad kind of tough love syndrome thing in this episode though because he you mentioned before it's the difference between um, Crusher's reaction and his reaction, and we even get one of those great um, parked turbo lift scenes, you know, where it's like halt, <laughs> and then we're going to pace around. And I think smallpox blankets, you know, are mentioned and that sort of thing, and how we can't you have to be careful of our effects. But I have to think that there there had to be some way around it, um, just right on the canister, like guys, this is a drug. D- don't take it. <laughs> You'll get over it. Also, I think there's a degree of like arrogance. Certainly. Um,
1: well, it's like, what What do they think the outcome is going to be? Yeah, what's
0: the worst that could happen?
1: Because in, in the solution presented, he's not going to help them, which means he's effectively destroying their space technology. Yeah. The, so the societal... that means after this shipment is done. That's it. That's it, it's gone. Yeah. So they're gonna have to go through the withdrawal. Oh, and there's gonna be a societal uh, upheaval. Yeah. Yeah. And Anyways. Is that,
0: is that more harmful than them just going, look, okay, we got Look, Look,
1: let, let, let me tell you you, you you addicted. Give us, give us you know us, people let us wean them off you can see the effects sure and then do the rest of the population. and of a little bit of a little bit of a of an upheaval. Yeah. Uh, but for the Breckians, their society... Oh, they're screwed. They're they're screwed anyways. Yeah. Because, yeah, the Onarans, once they get through that withdrawal, yeah, there will be some deaths, I'm sure. Yeah. But the Breckians haven't worked a day in their life other than... (laughs) Yeah, they have no infrastructure. Yeah. So I think the Breckians are actually long-term worse off than the Onarans. And
0: you could fix their freighters, and you could even, like... um... You could broker some kind of like trade deal between them, like, okay, now it's all settled, and you guys are going to continue to deliver them things, and we'll maybe give them some replicators, help them rebuild their society. But at that point, now you're invested. And at the end of the episode, they fly away.
1: They're like, oh, let's get out of here. Yeah. And do you really think all of the Breckians are in on this? That oh, it's sure. Because that's a lot of people yeah. to be like, hey, we're screwing over Five a whole billion drug dealers. Whole planet. They're all like, You yeah. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> even 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 we as you know earthlings our whole planet's not like let's screw over the entire planet no right. you know you have some people saying that but not the whole planet right. so you got to think there's some brekkings that it Aren't aware of that? Yeah. So Picard, just because he doesn't like the two Breckings that he has met, <laughs> yeah, who,
0: let's be honest, are not all that great, Do-
1: dooms an entire <laughs> race because he has to uphold the Prime Directive. Yeah. No, you don't. You just don't like them. Yeah.
0: It's like we're, we're just tourists. Don't get involved. Yeah. I don't know. I, I this question comes up and it makes me question how I feel about uh, about the Prime Directive, but it probably is the best. Way to travel through the universe, I guess. Otherwise, every episode, it becomes an entire series where we stop off and now we have to help re- rehabilitate two planets. <laughs> That's not a fun show. Uh, it's called DS9. Um, no. Um... <laughs> I like DS9. I, I love it, too. <laughs> uh, this, is a, this is kind of a short on comedy, this episode. There's not a lot. Um, I think my favorite sort of comedic bits are definitely the beginning parts where they're trying to help out the uh, spaced-out uh, it's, it's like the it's like the mystery machine broke down in space, and they're trying to help them change the tire or something like that. They're giving them the coils and everything. They're, like, uh, you're gonna burn uh, up. We're gonna tow you out of orbit. And They're like, Oh, it's, it's that's great, cool, thanks, thanks a lot. yeah. And where would I put that? Yeah, okay, that, that goes where exactly? Uh, did you have any uh, parts that you enjoyed comedically? Uh,
1: I think the episode itself is is short on that. Yeah, but what does make me smile is the. Denise Crosby breaking character at the end. Oh, yes. (laughs) Uh, And now we can totally segue back. Let's talk about it. Uh, So this was the last episode she filmed. Right. Uh, Knew that she was dying. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our character was going to be killed off, which was her choice. Mm. Uh, But at the end of the episode, Picard and Crusher are having their final little head-to-head about... I've done the right thing. Yes, you have, Jean-Luc, you're perfect. Right, right. And they're leaving, they're leaving the cargo bay, and as the doors are closing, you can in the background. And I didn't see it the first like 3 4 times I watched it. Right. On subsequent viewings, it now once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. Denise Crosby jumps into camera as the doors are closing and just does a little wave. Right, yeah. Like bye. Yep. And it's not Tasha. It's totally not ta- the character of Tasha. And oh, uh, that's sure. Denise Crosby. Yeah. And the fact that that got through, but <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I actually read that the director was cool with it. Like it was, I don't know if it was his idea, but he's like, mm. yeah, yeah, this is great. It's her. It's her last scene on her very last day uh, on mm. the set, and I'm sure they went to the wrap party after that, and that was it. But yeah, it's a it's a nice little little touch. Um, let's talk about Yar. Um, originally as
1: we said before... Um, it's nice these... that she left on good terms yeah, with the show. Yeah, right.
0: Um, she was supposed to, or she read for the role of uh, Troy and Ma- Marina Sirtis read for Yar, which have been very different. I heard that um, Yar was originally based, um, she was called Macha Hernandez and she was based on Vasquez from Aliens. Supposed to have that sort
1: of... That gruff... Yeah, kind you know, of tough chick sort of vibe. I can run with the bo- boys.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's there. You mentioned before how it's it's tough when you've got... She's supposed to be the security officer in that tactical, and you've got Worf right behind her. Mm. And they didn't know that he was going to p- promote into that role when she left, but it kind of seems like it's waiting in the wings. Although she never got knocked on her ass as much as, as Worf did. <laughs> and I I really like the character of Yar, and I like the show that we got, but I, I have to wonder and speculate about what we could have got if she was allowed to continue. If
1: she had stuck it out like yeah. Marina Sirtis did. and
0: because yeah. I, I, I like they, – they clearly had this idea in mind of a character that could be feminine and, and tough at the same time. Um, not always integrated very well, uh, episode to episode. Uh, but somebody who was very good at her job, who had a tough childhood and background, but had r- risen above it, and yet wasn't afraid to uh, be feminine, be romantic. Um, to... Express opinions. Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, often – Contrary to you know the the popular opinion, right. and was able to she could kind of give Riker you know his own back a little bit, and uh, maybe she was just too tough, too good for the show. Like maybe there was no place for that character. Maybe we needed um, she was too rounded.
1: I I think it was I think it was just where they had a backstory, but they didn't know where they wanted to take her. Yeah, and I think first season they didn't know where they wanted to take a lot of the characters, mm. but I think. Out of what the seven main characters she was the seventh yeah she was the last one that got consideration Mm -hmm. Uh, because I think as they started to write for data he started they were like oh data's fun to write right right they got Riker who oh he's the ladies man and he's the one that goes on the planet side adventures he's fun to write sure Jordy is we don't quite know what to do with Jordy, but he's blind. <laughs> he's the blind guy. He's the blind it's fun to right. He's got trouble with it. Uh, Wesley's the kid. Picard's developing into a certain type of leader that's very different from Kirk. Yeah. Great. Right. Crusher has the human element. Great. Worf has the big brash character. Yeah. What do we do with Tasha? They didn't know. Yeah. And yeah, it would have been really interesting to see where she went, and I am glad that she did get to come back in subsequent episodes yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. herself, mm-hmm. and then as her, what her uh,
0: her uh, da- Romulan daughter. daughter, daughter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from another universe, or she was. <laughs> it's time travel, uh,
1: <laughs> temporal prime directive. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. Yeah, get into that. That's the next show.
1: But I, you know, they got to expand on Natasha character by, you know retrofitting Tasha in the time travel episode and then her daughter, half-Romulan daughter. Yeah. And they were able to develop this really interesting character.
0: Can you envision a show that that kept Tasha Yar around? What do you think it would look like?
1: She and Data could have started dating. Yeah. Um, And I think that's one of the touching aspects of the next episode where she actually gets killed off. Right. and they even Measure of a Man, when he's put on trial, and they said, why do you have this hollow projection of Tasha Yar? And he's like, "I that's personal. I can't talk about it. Right, yeah. I think she was good as a plot device. As her char- as her character was and where she left it, she was great as a plot device, yeah. not as a character. I,
0: that's, a, that's a great point because I think that she helps to establish a real history um, in an ongoing sense for the show. Because it isn't just – this isn't going to be like uh, the original series where where are we this week? What, what, what mm. color is the planet this week? There's going to be this thing that kind of goes on. And she helps establish in the first season – that there's loss and that there's stakes and that there's this thing that they can, there's something behind us. And that there's
1: evolu- There's going to be evolution. Yeah, right. Uh, which you didn't get in the original series. Not really. But you mentioned it at the start of this episode that Stardates. Right. They started to pay more attention <laughs> to Stardates to show that there was a progression. Right, yeah. And to show that we're not watching these episodes willy-nilly Right, yeah. I don't think it helped her that she was in probably one of the worst episodes in season one as the focal character. Which one? Uh, <laughs> do you want to guess what you, what oh, is, what you think uh, might Code what of I, Honor? That's the uh That's the black, uh, planet. The, the black planet, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the stereotypically racist black planet, yeah. 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 And that's not a good episode. No one has picked that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure we'll ever do
0: that. Uh, maybe we'll. But that's have a-
1: why symbiosis, even with its you know drugs or bad message, yeah, still beats that episode. Oh, oh, sure, certainly, yeah. <laughs> but she was put into the she was put into the damsel in distress. But then she's like, no, I'm not going to take that position. And yeah. that's one of the great things about that episode. If you can take any good things out of that episode, <laughs> right? Was she's like, no, I'm going to fight because that's what I do. Yeah, that's what I was forced to do growing up. Yeah. And it's like if the, if they'd had a better way to, <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, I, I don't know how to code that, that at all. <laughs> I think that she's a great she's a person that you'd want to like know or have on your team, but maybe is tough to write for. She's maybe not a great character for the yeah. show. Um, as we wrap up here, did you have any um, final thoughts uh, about the episode? Uh, do, you, do you like the episode? I, I do mean, you like picked the
1: episode. It? I, I picked. I picked. I picked that. I was like, I want to yeah. talk about. It. There's so much there. there. It's Denise Crosby's last filmed episode. Uh, which gets you to talk about Tasha Yar, who is underserved when people talk about Next Gen. Yeah. Um, And then you have the Rathacon folks. (laughs) Right, yeah, right. This is fun. Uh, But I think this does start to develop Picard and his outlook Yeah, that you definitely see in future seasons and episodes on how he problem-solves.
0: Yeah. Uh, I like it, too. Um, It's it's fairly simplistic. Um, I mean, there's not even a B-plot. In any other episode, in any late, later season, you would, we'd have uh, Miles and Keiko would be doing something, or Data would be playing the violin, or there'd be some other thing. And it's pretty much just this one plot all the way through. In fact, they even have to kind of stretch it, I think, to make it a full hour.
1: But which I think is why oh, let's put a couple scenes in where they have electricity powers. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> they don't why serve not? any purpose. Sure.
0: But yeah, but just as far as uh, laying the base and the groundwork of what the kind of things that we're going to explore in the show coming up as it goes on. Uh, Whether or not they knew that they were really doing that, I think it really serves that well. I agree. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you're doing a rewatch right now. You know, some of those first, second season episodes are are pretty rough, but this is one of those kind of rocks uh, that you can cling to uh, in the the tempest of the early seasons.
1: Or there's, there's more good to outweigh the negative aspects of the episode. Certainly. Certainly.
0: Uh let's talk uh my space dad can beat up your space dad. Who is your favorite captain and why?
1: Oh, that's so tough cuz I do like all of them but they're so different. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh oh, I stand by I'll I'll, I'll go Cisco cuz nobody ever picks Cisco. Okay. All right. Um just because he stuck to his guns, he had a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Um and that chip slowly goes away. Mm-hmm as that show progresses and that's a great thing to watch Avery Brooks do.
0: Yeah. Um he de- he certainly develops I think uh, the most out of all the captains. Um, uh, we see him yeah. progress from this broken widower, you know, to like the savior of a people in the Federation.
1: So and I and I like I like that. Uh Janeway I think is Janeway from start to finish. I don't yeah. I don't see her character evolving. I think she's a fun character to watch. Yeah. I like how she deals with situations. And
0: I think it's similar to, to Yar in that she has all these qualities that are really admirable right away and continues to have them, and they get her through her whole thing. So that brings me to a, a question that I'm just wondering now looking at Yar and um, Janeway. Does this show have a problem writing women or writing women as well? Does it give them all these oh, they have all these great qualities, but then as characters, it doesn't fully explore them uh, as well as it could. Because you talked, I think Crusher was the last person you, you mentioned, and she doesn't really have any development in terms of... No, to go and they try Rosa. with the,
1: uh, with the uh, Irish ghost episode. Yeah, with the candle, yeah. <laughs> oh, but uh, I think Next Gen had some problems with female characters for sure. Yeah. But I just think at that time... Having three lead female characters who are individuals and not beholden to men as plot devices as much right uh, they hold yeah they hold their own which I think is very admirable coming from Uhura was there in or the original series but she was definitely a background character she didn't do a lot she didn't affect plot a lot mm-hmm. the next gen females definitely do affect plot uh, then you get. DS9, which you have, uh, Balana. No, no, not that's Voyager. Uh, you have Major Kira, who I think is a great character. Yeah. Um, so right there, no, I I don't think Star Trek has a problem writing characters. I think their writers evolved to become better writers for female characters. I still don't think we've had (laughs) as strong female characters as the guys turn out to be. Sure. Uh, but who knows with, uh, the new, what is it, Discovery coming out? Yeah. That could that could change. And Are you looking forward great. to uh, I am, but I don't want to have to pay for it.
0: <laughs> well, yeah,
1: you know, not as a broadcast. thing you know, I don't subscribe to. I don't subscribe to Netflix. Oh, really? Yeah. So I I wait. I'm I'm a patient guy. Well, I'd have to mention that
0: Paramount would definitely bundle them together uh, for a disc set or something
1: like. Oh, and I'll I'll pick it up when that happens because sure. I'm a huge film and tv show collector yeah Yeah. but i i don't need to be the first adopter i'm old enough now and that's personal preference sure i tend to wait two three years before i get into something now yeah wait till it's out and it's developed (laughs) a little bit of steam that's prudent of you (laughs) you know and here's the thing i'm not losing any quality time there's still tons of films and tv shows out there from the past that i can watch and fill my time with yeah Um, so I miss some water cooler moments around the office and I have to be a little more wary of spoilers on the internet. But at the same time, if a spoiler is going to ruin a show for you, maybe it's not that well written of a show. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like Game of Thrones. So many spoilers over the past five, six seasons now, right? Six. yeah. 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 Uh, but you can know what those spoilers are and still watch the show and have it be an amazing show.
0: Sure. That was
1: my thing with Westworld,
0: um, which I think is a great show, but they're so – they have this twist, which everybody guessed, hmm. and I don't know if you're watching the show or not, so no, I won't say anything. I don't have HBO either. Oh, okay. Well, is that HBO? Yeah, it's yeah. HBO. They have this twist that the entire internet I just finished
1: out. True Blood, just so. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> That's where we are. Okay. And The Wire. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: and I think that the show works fine without the twist. But I feel like they feel chagrin that people figured it out. And I just don't – you've got so many people who are so smart now. You've educated them mm. in watching TV with your great TV. Who cares? You're right about I, – I don't – there's this thing about twists and spoilers and all that that we're so focused on, especially in Western culture. And it's like it should be able to survive without yeah. that. And if it can't, then what do you got?
1: It should be able to sur- – if it's good and quality, yeah. it should be able to survive going back and rewatching.
0: Uh, absolutely,
1: uh, good book. A great book. If yeah, you, what are you gonna do? Burn yeah, it when you're done? Yeah, no. <laughs> if if you really love it and think it's a great piece of literature, right, you're gonna probably want to reread it. Sure. Yeah, you miss the. Oh, this just happened. This just happened because you know it's gonna happen. But that doesn't change the fact that it's great writing
0: well that's like i said that's a very uh, prudent uh ass, or uh, opinion to take it's not going to get you invited on to talk about the show when it comes out uh maybe in a couple of years yeah. uh, <laughs> when you back. do the retro right
1: but that's why i'm perfect for you know star trek stuff
0: sure yeah all right we'll keep you in the pocket for that uh at the end of the show you receive a commission in the rank of ensign what department on the ship
1: would you work in i'm horrible at math so i'd want to stay out of engineering okay (laughs) i feel like the computers do it all for you anyway i'm not the most empathetic person so i'd want to stay out of counseling no counseling no uh no medic uh astro no astrophysics wouldn't work either seem like more math um i'd lean towards diplomacy diplomacy Yeah, but I don't know what the department would be for that.
0: Yeah, I don't think we ever really delve into, like, there must be a a diplomatic corps. There's
1: got to be a diplomatic corps.
0: Nobody ever says bartender. Nobody ever wants, I think that Guinan is just such a figurehead and 10 forward that nobody wants to be the Isaac of the Enterprise.
1: (laughs) Could you picture Whoopi Goldberg doing the Isaac (laughs) fingers (laughs) pointing? Cocktail shaker. (laughs)
0: Well, Anson Dietz, thanks for joining me to talk about Star Trek and the Star Trek universe. Uh, If people want to continue the conversation, and they can, at at EISTpod on Twitter and the Enterprising Individuals Facebook page, where can people find you online?
1: Uh, I'm on TwinCitiesGeek.com. As a weekly writer, I do a Throwback Thursday film column. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's pretty much my main online presence. And that's at TwinCitiesGeek.com, all one word? Throwback Thursday. Uh, you can find me randomly online in the Twin Cities Geeks Facebook forum. Okay. Uh, otherwise, my online presence, yeah, not a lot. I try to get out in the real world a little bit more, or stay at home just watching TV.
0: You let your work speak for you. I try to. Okay. Good. <laughs>
1: well, thanks again for joining me. Thank you.
0: We are signing off until the next mission. Hailing frequencies closed.